Tonight, Victoria police issue a warning as they hunt for a violent child rapist wanted on a Canada-wide warrant. Plus... He's lost his home, lost all his possessions, and he's getting zero help. Neighbors of a house destroyed when an RV crashed into it say three weeks later, nothing is being done. And... It's looking like it could be a long winter, so we need to expand our living space. Why, as the weather turns cold, sales of outdoor furniture heat up. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with a warning as Victoria police hunt for a convicted child rapist and dangerous high risk sex offender. 56 year old Scott Jones is wanted on a Canada wide warrant for being unlawfully at large. He was last seen Friday in the 500 block of Johnson Street wearing a black rain jacket, jeans and a white bike helmet. Jones may be riding a new black electric scooter. In 1982, Jones was sentenced to five years in prison for rape, gross indecency, and attempted the attempted rape of three girls. While on parole in 1986, Jones was charged with three counts of sexual assault with a weapon and three counts of unlawful confinement. One of his victims was a nine-year-old girl he sexually assaulted at knife point. Jones pleaded guilty to one count each of sexual assault and assault, sexual assault with a weapon. He was declared a dangerous offender and given an interminate sentence. But I can say that um, he was supposed to be in a place. He is no longer in that place, and that makes him unlawfully at large. Scott Jones has a history of violent sexual offenses, and he's considered at high risk to reoffend. He has been convicted for a series of violent sexual offenses. Um, definitely, uh, definitely someone that we want to locate immediately. RCMP are releasing these two sketches of a suspect connected to a string of indecent acts in downtown Langley. Police say they started receiving complaints Monday afternoon of a man exposing himself to women. The man is described as white in his early 20s, 5 feet 6 to 5 feet 9 inches tall with a slim build and dark hair. He was carrying a black backpack. If you see him, you're urged to call 911. It's been three weeks since a home in Surrey was destroyed in a bizarre accident. A runaway RV slammed into a house, leaving the homeowner homeless. Well, now neighbors are speaking out, saying the crash has created a dangerous situation. Julia Foy explains. It's sad to see somebody's stuff just being destroyed like that when it wasn't his fault. It looks like a natural disaster has ripped apart this home in a Guildford neighborhood. Personal items are strewn around the yard, soaking in the pouring rain. But in reality, the wreckage was created after a runaway RV careened down 140th Street on September 5th and crashed into the front of 82-year-old Manfred Scalos, home of over 30 years. What I'm going to do, you know, it's just awful. You know, uh, my health isn't that great, too. The destruction left Manfred homeless, but a family member told neighbors he's now receiving some care. He has had contact with us to tell us that his dad was getting help from the Red Cross and his health conditions. Manfred's been in the hospital apparently twice now. A week after the accident, workers came to the site to remove the RV and tore down part of the house. But since then, the house and all of Manfred's belongings have been left to the elements. Neighbors think he deserves better. Somebody's got to step up. I think the city and ICBC, those are the two people that should be coming down here. You 
looking after this. Manfred didn't have house insurance, but the owners of the RV allegedly did. The vehicle, as far as he understood, had no collision and was under, had very little liability. They came here the day of uh, when they pulled the motorhome out. They were here just to watch the motorhome being pulled out. Apparently they had some possessions that they wanted to get out of there. And that's the last we've seen them out. In the meantime, neighbors have set up a GoFundMe page to help raise money for Manfred. I slept here in the van, you know. And so this has left you homeless? Yeah, I'm absolutely homeless. His health condition is not good. It's deteriorating. I mean, his whole life has crumbled in front of him. I'll just throw a tarp over the place and try to save his stuff from getting ruined, right? The guy's been in there 30-plus years, elderly man. Look after the guy, you know? Julia Foy, Global News. The fire may finally be out at New Westminster's Pier Park nearly two weeks after it was partially destroyed by flames. But the work to rebuild and repair the area hasn't really even begun yet. Paul Johnson has more on what's being considered to restore the popular attraction in the royal city. After smoldering for days, the fires under the wreckage of Pier Park are completely out. And this is now a massive demolition and remediation operation. For anyone who saw the early September blaze, the scope of the work will come as no surprise. A catastrophic loss of infrastructure that's been a centerpiece for this riverfront city. Definitely the, the Pier Park fire has been a, a, a shock to the community. Watching the work Saturday morning, New Westminster Mayor Jonathan Cote has few certainties to share with his citizens except this. It's not going to happen overnight, but we will rebuild uh, Pier, Pier Park. New Westminster actually has a local prototype to guide them. White Rock lost the crown jewel of its waterfront in a brutal 2018 winter storm. But after the city rallied and raised money from every available source, the pier was fixed and reopened on time and on budget. But while the White Rock model is instructive, Cote says the pier park rebuild won't happen that fast. I think we're going to spend some time engaging with the community and, and trying to figure out what the next steps are and how we want to rebuild. Cote wants to make sure they get the long-term vision right. And as in most places, everyone's a bit of a city planner. Just restore it to what it was, basically. Something that's going to bring revenue to the city, but also not uh, spoil the waterfront. I don't know how you reconcile those two things. Put a rock wall in and get all the dirt from the excavation that they're digging here, 100 bucks a load probably and fill it in, make a park, and then it won't burn anymore. One other thing that puts this on a longer time frame is the large amount of demolition and environmental work likely needing to happen here. And the price tag? Don't be surprised if it's around $20 million. In New Westminster, Paul Johnson, Global News. On the provincial election campaign trail today, two party leaders made promises connected to health care. NDP leader John Horgan was in Terrace today, promising to complete a new and expanded Mills Memorial Hospital if his party forms the next government on October 24th. Horgan also met with local Indigenous leaders and visited a health centre in Kitimat. The Skeena riding is currently held by the Liberals' Ellis Ross. But in order to, get to build this hospital, we need to ensure that we re-elect an NDP government. In order to make sure we don't go back to the days when promises were made and not kept, we need to elect an NDP government. 
B.C. Liberal leader Andrew Wilkinson was in Vancouver hosting a virtual rally with fellow party candidates. He promised support for the many sectors of the economy negatively impacted by the pandemic, particularly the retail and tourism sectors. Wilkinson also said if the Liberals form the next government, they will provide the flu vaccine for free. We're prepared to commit to right now, right here, is to make sure that flu shots, flu vaccines are available free of charge to every British Columbian because we don't need an epidemic on top of a pandemic. I'm fortunate that I've trained as a medical doctor and I know how these things work. I know how it flows through the system. I know how people fall ill, and I know how to keep people healthy. BC Green leader Sonia Furstenau was campaigning on Vancouver Island today, meeting with party members and volunteers in the Cowichan Valley and attending the Duncan Farmers Market. Well, today is the deadline to register or update your voter information ahead of the October 24th election. Elections BC says you have until 8 o'clock tonight to do so online or by phone. Once the deadline passes, voters can still register or request a vote-by-mail package, but the process will take longer. Voters are encouraged to make sure their information is up to date now so they can help reduce lineups at voting locations. An outbreak of COVID-19 has been declared at a Kelowna church. The Interior Health Authority says anyone who attended a morning church service at the Calvary Chapel on September 13th may have been exposed to the virus. At least four people are now connected to the outbreak, with the latest three cases identified to public health over the last two days. The IHA says the service was televised with parishioners watching from different rooms. Health officials are asking those in Ann Rouser Hall in the building to self-isolate until the end of day tomorrow and to get tested if they display any symptoms. An outbreak has been declared in the First Nation community of Whitset, north of Smithers. So far, 14 positive cases have been confirmed. The northern community has been on lockdown for the past week. The Canada Emergency Response Benefit comes to an end today. Most recipients are expected to be automatically moved over to a new employment insurance system. CERB provided $500 per week to those who lost income due to the pandemic when it was first announced back in March. It's estimated that almost 9 million Canadians accessed the benefit at some point this year. About three-quarters of CERB recipients are expected to transfer over to EI. Following a contentious summer, Stanley Park reopened two lanes of vehicle traffic today. The cones were removed last night by the Vancouver Park Board. They were put in place in April as a pandemic measure. Roads were closed to vehicles and bikes were diverted off the seawall to allow pedestrians to practice physical distancing. Over the summer, the Park Board voted to take away one lane of vehicle traffic, giving it exclusively to cyclists. Disability advocates filed a human rights complaint over reduced access to the park. Staff at the Tea House also spoke out, saying fewer diners could access their restaurant. The Park Board always maintained the pandemic measures were temporary. Hope they don't go back to this next summertime. Um, I think they realize the value of, of employing hundreds of people over 
some cyclists in a park who can who can still cycle in the park and yeah. and cycle anywhere really let's yeah. be honest we need to understand that we are still in the midst of a pandemic and we are also in global warming crisis and we have to stop designing our cities uh, with the desire to move cars from one place to another instead we have to look at a way where we can move people in in an equitable way Victoria police are releasing surveillance video of the suspect in one of the city's latest parkade break-ins. Last Saturday, a man was seen entering an underground parkade seconds after a car drives in. After a quick look around, police say the suspect broke into a vehicle and storage locker, walking off with $2,000 worth of cycling gear, bike helmets and tools. So far this year, break-in enters to Victoria's underground parkades are up 40% over last year. The pandemic means nothing is normal right now. Many restaurants that would typically be shutting down their patios at this time of year are instead gearing up for the fall and winter season. And as Kristen Robinson reports, outdoor furniture retailers say that that would normally be slowing down right now. They're struggling to keep up with demand. Como Taperia fought hard to get its temporary patio permit. And the restaurant's outdoor seating isn't going anywhere as the cold weather moves in. The patio gives us a few extra tables. Um, Even if it is cold outside, we will still be able to have people out there having drinks and snacks when they're waiting to come inside. It gets us closer to around, with those seats, around 85% capacity of what we'd normally be at. The city of Vancouver approved close to 400 temporary patios on private and public property this past summer. Many of them will be sticking around through the fall and winter after Councillor Sarah Kirby Young's motion to extend the program received unanimous support. It's vital that uh, staff follow through to winterize the patios because we know from a lot of uh, the restaurants that otherwise they simply will not survive. They can't manage on 50% capacity with their indoor seating. We can't go anywhere, so we're expanding our living space. Others ordering outdoor essentials to keep the party at home. We need heat for heat for the backyard patio setup, um, and you know so we can use it throughout the winter time. Patio heaters, which this man managed to order, selling out everywhere. Propane and natural gas heaters also in high demand, with stock slow to arrive. Right now, we have a few items on back order, uh, heaters being one of them, but our supplier is trying to get them as fast and furious as possible. Como Taperia looking to bring some of this heat to its temporary patio. These three tables and two barrels helping keep staff employed and customers coming in. Although full winterization will have to wait until the restaurant is approved for a full patio. It took COVID to get us a temporary patio. Let's let's hope that we do get a long-term one. Kristen Robinson, Global News. COVID-19 also meant a much more subdued release of the 2017 Bordeaux. So a smaller crowd lined up, physically distant, outside the BC Liquor Store on 39th and Canby in Vancouver early this morning. Lineups are typically much larger for the coveted French wine. Fans have even been known to camp out overnight for first dibs. But this year, customers used a new pre-order online system. Roughly 5,300 cases from the 2017 vintage were up for grabs, ranging in price from $30 to $3,200 a bottle. My wife and myself were here since uh, 9 o'clock last night. Great. And uh, you're near the front of the line, so you should get it. Oh, yeah. I mean, these are one-of-a-kind wines. Uh, They really set the standard in the world. 
pink and fluorescent green northern lights exploded over Finland overnight. This spectacular scene was recorded near Lapland, a sparsely populated region bordering Sweden, Norway, Russia and the Baltic Sea. The lights shine in this region about every other clear night between September and March. The Canadian government continues to recommend against non-essential travel, but that is not stopping businesses from offering travelers special coverage for COVID-19. Soon, companies including Manulife will begin selling so-called pandemic policies, providing coverage for medical and even quarantine expenses for destinations, regardless of a government's travel advisory. Some airlines, including WestJet and Air Canada, are already offering these policies at no additional cost. It's a very difficult ethical situation right now and business situation. You've got airlines and tour operators and insurance companies that are struggling and may go out of business if they don't start to generate new business. And yet at the same time, these companies are going against government recommendations. Experts warn if you become seriously ill with the virus while traveling, these policies may not cover all expenses, particularly if you require ICU care or a ventilator. Anyone considering travel should read these policies carefully and consider the risks. Most Canadians are in favor of keeping the U.S. border closed, but it means thousands of Canadians are separated from loved ones. Today, they held a virtual rally in hopes of convincing Ottawa to do more to reunite families. David Aiken has the story of two Americans who couldn't say goodbye to their dying mother, a Canadian on this side of the border. Since the spring, Canada has shut its border to all visitors not declared essential, truck drivers, healthcare workers, and so on. There's only been one exemption. Foreign nationals can travel into Canada if they are going to join their immediate family. But Canada's definition of immediate family has kept many who believe they qualify apart. A group called the Faces of Advocacy, which says it has 7,200 members, is pushing to broaden that definition and ease border restrictions for compassionate reasons. The group held an online rally Saturday to raise awareness of the issue. For example, Canada right now will not let adult, non-Canadian children into the country even if one parent is a Canadian. John McCall, an American citizen living near Peterborough, Ontario, tried earlier this year to get his American adult children into Canada to help take care of their mother and his wife, Donna. She's a Canadian citizen. Donna died in early August, and her children could only say goodbye via video. I called the kids, and I held the phone up, and they said goodbye. It was tough. I don't want to stay up with anybody else. It's a tragedy that shouldn't have happened. MPs from all parties, including the Liberals, spoke at Saturday's online rally, and they say changes that could have helped families like the McCalls are long overdue. David Aiken, Global News, Ottawa. U.S. President Trump's choice to succeed Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg is another woman who goes by three names, but that is where the similarities end when it comes to their judicial records and political leanings anyway. Amy Comey Barrett could become the youngest Supreme Court judge and her influence could last for generations. Tonight, President Trump announcing his nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court, federal judge Amy Coney Barrett of Indiana. She is a woman of unparalleled achievement, towering intellect, sterling credentials, 
and unyielding loyalty to the Constitution. The mother of seven is a devout Catholic, a former Notre Dame law professor and clerk to the late Justice Antonin Scalia. At 48, she would be the high court's youngest justice, able to serve for decades. Her time on the federal bench has been relatively brief. President Trump appointed her to the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals in Chicago in 2017. No matter the issue, no matter the case before her, I am supremely confident that Judge Barrett will issue rulings based solely upon a fair reading of the law. Should I be confirmed, I will be mindful of who came before me. The flag of the United States is still flying at half-staff in memory of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg to mark the end of a great American life. A favorite among social conservatives, Judge Barrett's selection helps the president with evangelical voters. Despite outrage from Democrats, Senate Republicans plan to move quickly toward confirmation, possibly before Election Day. She would join President Trump's two other Supreme Court nominees, cementing a conservative majority. She could be seated in time to hear a case seeking to overturn the Affordable Care Act and any disputes arising from the presidential election. Judge Barrett's conservative supporters hope she'll shift how the court rules on abortion rights, and that's also what her opponents fear. In Washington, Alice Barr, NBC News. And ahead of Trump's announcement today, tens of thousands of people attended a prayer rally at the National Mall in Washington, D.C. The Reverend, Reverend Franklin Graham said he organized the rally to pray for God to heal America because people are divided and there's fear and uncertainty. He and Vice President Mike Pence also requested prayer regarding the new vacancy on the Supreme Court. Pray for all of the members of the Congress of the United States. Pray for all of our justices on the Supreme Court, including the remarkable woman that the president will nominate to fill the seat on the Supreme Court later today. Say no to the tyranny, the tyranny of the new world order. In the UK, police broke up a protest in central London because thousands of demonstrators were not social distancing and many weren't wearing masks. The crowd was angry about new measures to curb the spread of COVID-19, including a 10 p.m. curfew for restaurants and bars and mandatory masks for staff in the hospitality and retail sectors. Many also made claims related to QAnon conspiracy theories and the belief governments orchestrated the pandemic. Britain has the highest death toll in Europe from COVID-19 at 42,000. New cases shot up to around 9,600 per day last week, up from around 6,000 the previous week. In Health Matters tonight, a company in Singapore has unveiled an automated swab testing robot. The swab bot is designed to free up hands and lower the risk for healthcare workers. It allows users to insert two plastic pieces into their nostrils. A swab stick is then extended into their navel cavity to collect a sample. The process is activated when the patient pushes their chin against a small chin rest on the machine. It's a little bit ticklish, but that's normal. Every time I do the swap, it feels ticklish, but uh, it's a very soft, gentle kind of ticklish, so it doesn't hurt at all. The robot is only a prototype, but there are plans to produce at least 100 units. Taiwan also has developed a similar machine. 
Turns out a parent's touch may help babies undergoing painful procedures. A new study from the UK measured the brain activity of 27 infants during a needle prick to the heel. Although researchers say they can't confirm whether the baby actually feels less pain, they found that children who had skin-to-skin -skin contact with their mothers had less brain reaction to the pain. That's compared to those who were held through clothing or not touched at all. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The prehistoric gift British naturalist David Attenborough gave young Prince George on their first meeting. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. But first, we want to update you on the status of two giant pandas at the Calgary Zoo. They will return to China after the zoo secured a fresh supply of bamboo. The search for the food, became, food supply began months ago as the Canadian supply was due to run out and the pandemic meant they couldn't bring more in. The zoo says it has been able to get bamboo from a number of suppliers across North America. The giant pandas consume 40 kilograms or 160 pounds of bamboo daily. They are big eaters, Yvonne. <laughs> big eaters. They've got a good appetite. Yeah. Good appetite looking for that bamboo. Oh, I got to move this way a little bit more. All right. There you go. All right, Colleen, we've had a mixed bag over the past few days. We've had a significant amount of rainfall, even record uh, amounts uh, through the last three days. A bit of a break is on the way. It'll be much needed, especially for the southern half of the province. Here's a quick glance at what it looks like overlooking English Bay, but we are still looking at the potential for a few isolated showers popping up. We can see that along the island over the past two hours. This is the loop from the radar, and we'll see it towards the Fraser Valley. So still a few showers popping up overnight and for the early morning hours on Sunday. It's been a cool one. Temperature Temperatures today bump up to 15 degrees on the Almanac. The average for this time of the year sits closer to 17. Not quite record-breaking. 22 degrees, and that was set back in 1999. And temperatures in the next few days are going to bump back, back into the low 20s. And I'll have the timeline in just a moment. Overnight tonight, it is going to cool off with that chance of showers. We're down to 9 degrees. Tomorrow morning, a 30% chance to see an isolated shower. We'll have a fair bit of cloud cover. And then it clears out as we get into the afternoon. Some breaks. It'll be much needed, drying out for many areas areas and highs up to 17. We've got two other stories that we're following across the province. Still a bit of cloud cover, isolated showers along the southern half, but this next weather maker is going to push in. Now along the northern half of the province, we've got warnings that are in effect. The following spots will indicate or will affect the north and central coast. The bulk of the moisture is going to develop along the northern half of the province. It'll be for the early morning hours, and this system is going to intensify through the day. Heavier amounts of rain pushing in, especially towards the evening, and the winds are going to ramp up, likely seeing the peak of the winds for the early morning hours and then tapering off towards the afternoon. That system is going to bring some cloud cover across Metro Vancouver for the morning hours and then it looks to clear out as we get in towards the afternoon. The southern interior will be included within that. Now the following areas and the warnings that are in effect rainfall for the north coast inland 15 up to 70 millimeters and the winds ramping up southeasterly 18 up to 100 kilometers per hour. High to Gwai, North coast areas along the water included within that. And towards the afternoon, they should shift and anywhere between 30 and up to 50 kilometers per hour. But it is going to be blustery across the northern half of the province. Ridge of high pressure is building in place. We've been advertising a change on the way. It's going to feel more summer-like, especially for most areas along the south coast. And that's as we're approaching Wednesday onwards. We will start to see temperatures bumping up once again. And on the temperature trend, we can see that. Tuesday, Wednesday, areas away from the water. Look at this, summer-like, getting closer to 28 degrees. 
and areas into the central Okanagan, for example, will be warm Wednesday through Friday. The northern half of the province, bulk of the moisture, that's where we're tracking the weather system. It's a strong one. It is going to be very blustery for the day. Chance of showers for the northeastern corners of the province. Much of the central interior tomorrow, it's pleasant by the afternoon. Highs, though, will start to bump up over the next few days. Some of the warmer temperatures will be moving in for Wednesday onwards. A cooler day for Whistler with a fair bit of cloud cover. We could get brushed by an isolated shower for the northern half of Vancouver Island, but most areas along the south coast, it's morning cloud cover, breaks for the afternoon. Colleen, it's a fantastic long-range forecast. We may be into fall, but it's actually going to feel more summer-like, especially as we get into Wednesday, Thursday. Away from the water. Wow. We'll be out there again in the sunshine. Definitely keep that patio furniture out. Yes. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much. British naturalist Sir David Attenborough has given a gift to Prince George to mark their first meeting. He gave him a fossilized giant shark's tooth. The young British royal was photographed in Kensington Palace as he curiously examined the tooth from an extinct megalodon. The 94-year-old presented his gift after he attended a private viewing of his new documentary, A Life on Our Planet with the Duke of Cambridge. And I should just note that um, Sir David Attenborough, he's pretty cool. He broke a world record for the fastest time to reach 100 million followers with his first post on Instagram. He's with it. He's That's with impressive. Times. Yeah. He is sir. He yeah. so. earned that, yeah, legitimately. <laughs> yeah. What do you have coming up there? Well, uh, this could be the final day of the uh, bubble in Edmonton because oh. they could be handing out the Stanley Cup. Stars in Tampa playing game five, so we'll have highlights of that one. Uh, not going to be quite done yet. There's second period, so we'll have that. And also a big preview of the Seahawks and Cowboys showdown tomorrow afternoon in Seattle. All right, looking forward to it. Thanks, Barry. A moose committed a hit and run this week in Boulder Boulder County, Colorado, attacking a parked car. It was all caught on camera by a man riding a bike through the area. Eventually, the moose gave up and ran into the woods. The cyclist left a note uh, for the car owner to discover so he could look at the video. The car owner said that it's mating season and that the moose may have reacted to seeing its reflection in the car. Well, from a moose with road rage to a girl who sees herself as a horse, the Edmonton teen has gained international attention for her unique skill. She's embracing her hobby, and as Global's Morgan Black explains, she may also be encouraging others to embrace their weird hobbies. This is Ava Vogel. I gallop around and hurdle over obstacles on all four legs, and I try to mimic a horse as best as I can. And she already knows what you're thinking. It is a very unique and strange hobby. The 17-year-old began jumping in 2012 after seeing other girls practicing on Instagram. And then over the years, I slowly realized that I was pretty good at it and I could jump pretty high. At her peak, Ava could jump nearly four feet in the air. Her videos grew popular and she quickly became the face of the trend. I'm different and I'm okay to like express myself, but there was definitely a couple times when I was gaining a lot of followers and getting a lot of feedback from people where I did have some doubts about, is this okay, maybe I should stop. But naysayers never got her down, her self-confidence rising alongside her fame. Being able to post myself on the internet, especially doing this such like a weird hobby with my name and face all over the internet, has really shown me that's okay to be different. She'll be featured in the latest book by Ripley's Believe It or Not, a celebration of the extraordinary. Everyone has their quirks. Everything has something strange they embrace. And the people that we work with 
really just want to share that. And I think it's really great because it also, you know, lets other people feel a lot more comfortable with their own weird side as well. This unconventional hobby has even helped the teen find her career path. It's giving me a love for exercise and a love for movement. Uh, in school, I started to get really interested in kinesiology and biomechanics, and I hope to pursue that as my career. And for Ava, there's no better feeling than walking your own path. People should learn how to have like, an open mindset towards new things like this, and not to be afraid to express yourself and show that you're different. Morgan Black, Global News. Barry's here with sports. And Barry, as you know, the pandemic means that golf tournaments are being held without fans right now. So during the third round of the Dubai duty-free Irish Open in Ballymena, Northern Ireland, a unique sight was captured near the 14th hole. Very good there. Oh, there's one of the few spectators outside the bubble. He's got a few, few friends as well. They're ready to steal his <laughs> Kit Kat, I think. Isn't that a fantastic picture? <laughs> Isn't it? Photograph that somebody quickly. That's brilliant. <laughs> That's right. They move on good shots, and they also move on bad shots. <laughs> Thanks, Colleen. Yeah, we'll start with a little hockey. No cows in the crowd uh, tonight. That's for sure. The Stanley Cup could be handed out tonight, though, in Edmonton. Tampa Bay is just a win away from their second-ever cup. They won their first one back in 2004 under John Tortorella. Lightning are coming off a 5-4 overtime win last night in Game 4. That may have taken what little juice was left out of the Stars, but right now they are back at it in Game 5. Stars needing a win to extend their time in the bubble. First period, good start. The veteran Corey Perry played uh, all of his time with Anaheim before this year. Won a cup with the Ducks in 07. Scores there to make it 1-0 Stars. Anton Hudobin, the Stars goalie, was very shaky last night. Much sharper tonight. Big save off Nikita Kucherov. 1-0 after 1. But early in the second, the Lightning tie it. Andre Palat, one of the Lightning more dangerous players, drives the net. Great move. His 11th of the playoffs ties it at 1. And they are through 2, tied at 1 in Edmonton. The Seahawks are home to Dallas tomorrow afternoon, and we'll see if Russell Wilson can torch the Cowboys like he did against the Falcons and Patriots. Wilson has an NFL-high nine touchdown passes in the first two games. Offense shouldn't be a problem again, but can the Hawks' defense tighten up? The man with all the answers is Chanel in the red zone. After that dramatic win versus the Patriots, the Seahawks turned their attention to the Cowboys with a chance to go 3-0. Now, despite putting up at least 35 points in their first two games, the Seahawks have allowed a league-worst 970 total yards. And now they face an opponent who hung up almost 600 yards of total offense last week. Cowboys come off a stunning win versus the Falcons last week, recovering an onside kick and scoring 16 points in the final five minutes. But the defense got shredded in the first half, and now they face a Seahawks offense that has the most receiving touchdowns in the NFL. Dak Prescott ran for three touchdowns and threw for 450 yards, a good chunk coming when Dallas trailed in the second half. He is number three in passing and could have a field day as Seattle is dead last, giving up 415 yards through the air. A good start is the key for Dallas as they have been outscored 27 to nothing in the first quarter. Russell Wilson is playing out of his mind. Five touchdowns versus the Patriots, nine overall. That is number one in the NFL. 
He has the best completion rate, a whopping 82.5%. DK Metcalf is now the team's deep threat, averaging over 23 yards of reception, second best in the league. Now, while the passing game has been on point, the running game, not so much. Seattle still unable to establish a ground attack, just one rushing touchdown, and Chris Carson has just 93 yards through two games. A glaring issue continues to be the pass rush. The Seahawks have just three sacks, two coming from safety Jamal Adams. Now, last week, a lack of pressure allowed Cam Newton all sorts of time to look for targets downfield, including Julian Edelman, who burned the secondary for 179 yards on just eight catches. Now, Seattle also lost two players on defense, both out for the season with injuries. The Seahawks are a five-point betting favorite, but what's interesting, the total in this game is the highest we've seen so far this season, sitting at 56. And the way these teams can score, it wouldn't be a surprise to see a shootout in Seattle. Well, the Whitecaps are back at it tomorrow at their home base in Portland. Ironically, the Whitecaps' first home game will be against the Portland Timbers. Home game in name only. Just another bizarro twist in a bizarro year. Caps are coming off that 6-0 thrashing at the hands of LAFC on Wednesday. We'll see what kind of response they have tomorrow night. English Premier League, Chelsea looking not so pretty in pink, taking on... West Brom, Chelsea fell behind 3-0 inside the first half hour. Kyle Bartley with the third goal for West Brom. Surely that would be enough. Not so fast, surely. Chelsea come back. Beautiful give and go finished off by Callum Hudson-Odoi. That made it 3-2 and plenty of time left for Chelsea. And in the third minute of stoppage time, Chelsea with all sorts of pressure. West Brom keeper here spilling the shot. And Tammy Abraham as an easy tap-in for the equalizer as Chelsea escape with a 3-3 draw versus West Brom. Third round of the Corrales Punta Cana Championship from the spectacular Dominican Republic. Canada's Mackenzie Hughes at the 15th from off the green. Chips it in for birdie, gets to 12 under. He then birdied the 16th and then at 17 again from off the green. He chips in another one for birdie. Hughes shot 567 today, 14 under for the tournament. He's in third place right there in contention. The leader is Adam Long. Nice approach here on the 10th would lead to a birdie. Long with the low round of the day, 8 under 64, sits at 17 under, three shots better than Hughes. Final round tomorrow in Punta Cana. Formula One back on track after a couple weeks off. Russian Grand Prix from Sochi. Some fans in the stands. Lewis Hamilton chasing F1 history. His 90 career wins one off Michael Schumacher's all-time mark of 91. Hamilton charging to a track record uh, to get the pole. His fifth straight pole of the season. 96th of his career. Max Verstappen qualified second. Montreal's Lance Stroll 13th. And final weekend of the MLB regular season, the Jays have clinched a playoff spot, taking on Baltimore today in Buffalo. Sixth inning, Toronto still looking for its first hit. Well, they got it. Kevin Biggio with a solo shot. That abruptly puts an end to John Means' no-hitter and shutout bid. Then in the seventh, two on for Randall Gritchick. Gives it a ride to right, and that has gone for a three-run shot. Jays win 5-2. If they win tomorrow and the Yankees lose to the Marlins, Toronto would be the number five seed instead of the eight. As of now, they will meet Tampa in the first round. But that could change. Okay, this is, this is kind of interesting. A Prince George couple is hoping to reunite a gift from the Queen with its rightful owners. And it's a beautiful picture of her, and 
I was quite thrilled to get it. I know it's kind of silly, it's, but you know, it's, yeah, it's nice. Okay, so Henny and Gerald Cook have been together for 64 years. Earlier this month, they received a diamond anniversary certificate from Queen Elizabeth via the Governor General after they celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary. Their daughter had applied for the honor online. Somehow, it was sent with the wrong names, addressed to Robert and Audrey Cook instead of Henny and Gerald. Uh, well, actually, what we were hoping, I put it on Facebook first, and then I was watching Global, actually, and I thought, oh, well, they do all kinds of funny stories, so maybe they could help us find Robert and Audrey Cook, who are probably looking for their little certificate. If you got ours and we got yours, let's just exchange them, right? Makes sense to me. The Governor General's office says there was a mix-up between the two couples with the same last name, making a request at the same time. It has apologized and says mistakes like this are rare. Both couples will receive a corrected message. And in any way we, that we have helped out here at Global BC, <laughs> we're very happy to have done so. After 60 years of marriage, you learn to accept mistakes may happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. Um, okay, <laughs> After Yvonne, 60 days of marriage. Yeah, well, I haven't been married even one day. <laughs> Yvonne, can you give us a last look at that spectacular weather forecast? Uh, it's really going to improve. We will have cloud cover tomorrow morning, maybe a few isolated showers. And then Monday onwards, it's going to feel more summer-like a nice transition and change as we get in towards another week of fall. It's going to feel more summer-like. Loving it. Thanks so much. And thanks for joining us. Have a great evening.